message uh, this morning. Peter Rochelle is with us. He's the senior pastor, Church of the Rock in Raleigh. Um, he's a friend to the ministry. He's preached here a handful of times. You may know him if you've been in Raleigh for a while from his ministry at Camp Oak Hill. Uh, pastor Scott has a supreme confidence in him, and so, Peter, I'd like to invite you to come and give the word. Let's give him a welcome, shall we? Pastor Jason, thank you, brother. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. It's good to be here. And uh, to Pastor Scott and Jason, and um, thank you all so much for, uh, I'm going to move this up a little bit. Um, there we go. I did it wrong the first service, and the top came off. And uh, But thanks to my good friends, uh, Scott, uh, he called me um, maybe a month ago or so and asked me if I could preach. And I said this at the first service, you know, sometimes when, when people ask you to consider doing something, you you, you often say, well, let me pray about it, and, uh, and that's a good thing to do. Uh, but uh, when he asked me, I, he could barely get it out, you know. I was like, yeah, absolutely. What day is it, you know? And uh, just to be able to come and to uh, be here, uh, as Jason said, I've been a, a few times in the past, and I've always been so blessed by being able to come. And I feel like I get more out of being here than actually what I give. And that's just God's grace and his goodness to me. And I, I'm thankful uh, to the Lord for you and just the opportunity to be here today with you. Can we uh, give uh, Christ a great big hand clap of praise? What a great praise and worship time we had. Again, the team uh, does an awesome job and just his presence is so incredible when, when his people come together to worship him and um, and uh, pre appreciate the praise and worship team. I want to invite you. Um, I'm on a clock, and uh, a friend of mine often says, a guy by the name of Brian Loritz, you know, he often says, um, a clock to a preacher is like kryptonite to Superman. And um, I, I agree with that. I can kind of go long-winded, so I, I have to uh, watch myself. So I'm on a clock, so let's jump right in, you know. And First uh, John chapter 1 we're going to look at verses 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. This is not the gospel of John, the narrative where John is seeking for us to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This is, this is the epistle, 1 John, what I like to refer to as a postcard. He wrote the gospel, that narrative, but then he wrote three postcards, 1 John, 2 John, third John towards the back of our Bibles we're going to look at that first postcard this morning just a few verses from it are you there yet in first John whether you're on a device or if you have a, a copy of God's word today uh, let me know if you're there by saying amen. amen all right well let's look together at the scriptures uh, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you God is light in him there is no darkness at all if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. 
My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. What an awesome passage of scripture. We've been going through 1 John at our church, and uh, one of the things, uh, or themes, I should say, that runs through uh, particularly this first uh, chapter of 1 John is this theme of fellowship. And when John uses this Greek word koinonia, fellowship, he's referring to uh, sharing in the life of Christ together. And if you were to read the first four verses in this, uh, this first chapter, John will talk about how he, as well as all the apostles, the original apostles, how they experienced Christ. He refers to Christ as that which was in the beginning. He refers to Christ as that, the life that was manifested. He refers to Christ as that which they had seen, heard, handled, um, he refers to Christ as the word of truth. And one of the things that John does in, that, in those first four verses is he, he wants us to experience the same Jesus that he and the apostles experienced. He wants us to have fellowship with Jesus, and then he wants us to have fellowship with him and the other apostles as we experience Jesus like they experienced Jesus. And then you get to verse 5, and, and this, this theme of fellowship continues to run through these verses. And John talks about this message uh, here in verse 5. And notice real quickly three very brief things about this message. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light in him. There's no darkness at all. First of all, notice this, the source of the message. This message they heard from him. In other words, this wasn't a message that John and the apostles made up themselves. This wasn't a message they created or, or, or came up with in and of themselves, but it was a message that they had heard directly from Christ. That's the source of the message. It's like John is saying this, what I'm about to tell you came directly from Jesus. So you better listen up because the source of this message is the one who is the son of God, Jesus himself. But notice the second thing about the message. Not only the source of it, but notice the sharing of it. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. The gospel message has always been meant to be shared. We receive it from Christ it comes from him. We don't make this message up ourselves. It comes directly from God through his son, Jesus Christ. But when we receive this message as his people, as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we are to share this message. We are to declare this message to other people. We did this thing at our church um, a couple weeks ago now. And one of the things that uh, we challenge everyone to do as well as myself to understand the fact that this message comes from God, he has given it to us, this message called the gospel. 
And it's our responsibility to share this message with other people. Now, we want to share this message, whether it be in our homes or whether it be on the street that we live on, whether it be the places where we work or maybe a Starbucks or Panera Bread or, or maybe it's the YMCA or Barnes & Nobles. Wherever it is you're doing life, our challenge to our congregation was this. This message that we received from him, that we are sharing it with other people. And it was incredible. Like the next week, people came back going, Pastor Pete, you want to guess, guess what? I shared the gospel with three people this week. And they were just so fired up. The next week, oh, that won't nothing. I shared the gospel with five people. It's almost like it became a competition. But, but just we're trying to get our, our, our hands around the fact that this, this gospel message that comes from Christ, that's been given to you and I as his people, that we take seriously the responsibility to share it with others. We see the source of this message. We see the sharing of this message. Who are you sharing the message with? That's a good question. Who is it that you're declaring this gospel message to? Would you pray that God would give you opportunity to do that? We see the sharing of it, but then notice the substance of it. Listen to what he says. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Now, in the original language, the Greek language, this is a very powerful verse. Let me give it to you in the Greek. It's, it's written in the Greek in what's called a double negative. You might say, Pastor Pete, what in the world is a double negative? This is how, how it would read in the Greek as it's written in this double negative. God is light, darkness in him, none not. That's literally how this verse reads in its original language god is light darkness in him none not now that's bad english but that's mighty good theology because what john is getting at is this he's talking about the moral perfection of god he's talking about the moral character and nature of god and he describes it like this God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Darkness in him, none, not. I like the way the great reformer Martin Luther said it. Martin Luther said of this verse, God is light. In him there is no darkness, not even to the slightest. In other words, God is holy. In him there's no unholiness at all. God is righteous. In him there's no unrighteousness at all. God is pure, and in him there's no impurity at all. God is just, and in him there is no injustice at all. God is light, in him there's no darkness at all. And right off the start here, John wants us to understand the nature and character of God, that God is holy. He's light, in him there is no darkness at all. And you know what? I think we live in a culture and a world that really loses sight of this and in fact minimizes the character and nature of God, his holiness especially. And sometimes I can get a little bit uncomfortable. I'll go places, particularly when I'm speaking to youth, and uh, I still do a lot of youth stuff. I, I'm sort of a youth minister at heart. 
Um, even though I've been a pastor for many years now, still do quite a, a, bit, of, a bit, bit of youth stuff. And, and it's always interesting when I go do youth stuff, a lot of times there's this, this what I call, we've kind of minimized the, 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 the holiness of God. And so, like, God is your friend, you know. And yes, I get that. He is. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, John, in the, in the gospel of John, that one would lay down his life for his friends. And so because of what Christ has done for us, we, 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 we are friends of God. I get all that. Um, but, but there's this casualness that I can be uncomfortable with, and I think we ought to all be uncomfortable with as we think about the holiness of God. It's almost like, you know, God is my friend. God is my boy. Me and God are like this. God is cool. And, and, and you know, he's the man upstairs. And there's this, there's this lackadaisicalness about the holiness of God. And John makes clear here that God is is light in him there's no darkness at all none to the slightest so what does that mean here's the question as john as, as, as we try to just trace john's arguments throughout this epistle how do we have fellowship with a god like that if god is light and in him is no darkness at all then what would that look like as it relates to having fellowship with that type of god because Again, John's whole thing here is fellowship. And how do we have fellowship with a God who is light and in him there's no darkness at all? How do we maintain intimacy with this type of God? Well, John is going to begin to tell us that. Now, here's something to keep in mind as we walk through this. In John's day, there was some false teaching. Uh, uh, there, there was a group of people that believed in a, a, a philosophy called Gnosticism. And one of the things that was characteristic of Gnosticism is they believed matter was evil, and so the body was evil, and then they also believed that the body was disconnected from the soul. And so this, this had a lot of implications. So, for example, they didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God, because why would God come and live in a body that was evil? I mean, what holy God would do that? And so they denied the deity of Christ because they didn't believe uh, uh, God would come and, and indwell in a human body. One of the things they also believed is that they just disconnected the soul from the body. So you could do whatever you wanted to in the body and it really didn't affect your soul. We have some of that floating around today, too. Have you ever seen these, uh, whether it's these award shows, the Grammys, the Emmys, these, these music shows, these, these Oscar shows, and, and, and maybe an, an actress or a singer or an athlete will get up because they won some sort of award. And everybody knows because their life is public that they're not really living for Christ, that perhaps they're living in immorality and, and, and they're living with someone that they're not married to, and they get up and they receive this award. And what are the, some of them often do uh, first of all I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and you're like wait a minute time out your lifestyle is this and 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 yet you're thanking your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and maybe it's a form of Gnosticism where people in our day believe what you do in your body is disconnected from your soul and John says wrong and John says if we're gonna have fellowship with God there's some things we've got to understand. So, what are the barriers to fellowship? John will give us two here. Here's the first one. The first barrier to fellowship. The first barrier to uh, being close to this God who is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. The first barrier is this, walking in darkness. 
walking in darkness. If a person is walking in darkness, John says this, they don't have fellowship with God. They don't have fellowship with God. He says this clearly. Now, in John's day, these people were doing a lot of talking. Okay? We know this because notice just by way of observation, verse 6, it says, if we say we have fellowship with God or if we claim to have fellowship with God. So there were some people walking around saying this, hey, when it comes to God, we're like this. Me and God are close. I'm in intimate fellowship with God. I know God. I'm walking with God. Me and God are close. This is what they were saying. But the problem was what they said with their lips was not seen in their life. What they said, what they declared with words wasn't demonstrated in their walk. But they were saying these things. Notice down in verse 8, some of them were claiming to be without sin. In verse 10, again, we see some of them were claiming to be without sin. So this is what they said, hey, I'm walking pure. I'm walking holy. Hey, I got this sin thing down pat. I'm not sinning. I'm right with God. But they were saying this, but again, what they said wasn't consistent with what you could see in their life. So John says the barriers to fellowship, first of all, is walking in darkness. If you claim to have fellowship with God, yet you walk in darkness John says you're lying and you're, you're not living by the truth or the word of God is not living in you. So the first barrier is this, walking in darkness. Now walking in darkness is simply a picture of sin. That's what walking in darkness is. So this is what John is saying. If you claim to be close with God, if you claim to have fellowship with God, but your life, you, you're living a lifestyle of walking in darkness, darkness you're walking in sin you're living in sin that's what he's talking about there john says that's totally inconsistent with what it means to have fellowship with the god who is light and in him there's no darkness at all totally inconsistent and remember uh, uh, um, our worship team led us out this morning out of first uh, peter in chapter two and there Peter talks about how we're this chosen uh, 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 nation, we're this royal priesthood, we're this holy nation, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, pe- a people that belong to God. And then what does Peter tell us in, in 1 Peter chapter 2? That we declare the praises of him who did what? Called us out of what? Darkness. He called us out of sin. And then where did he put us? Into his wonderful or his marvelous light. And we declare the praises of that God. And when we come to faith in Christ, he calls us out of darkness. He puts us into his marvelous, wonderful light. And then we begin to walk in light, not darkness. And John says if you're walking in darkness, that's a barrier to fellowship. You will not have fellowship with God. The first barrier is walking in darkness. Notice what else he says about walking in darkness. We lie and we don't practice the truth or the word of God is not in us. But notice what he does in verse 7. He tells us that we shouldn't walk in darkness because if we are, we're not in fellowship with God and the truth of God's word is not in us. But then he tells us what we're to do in verse 7. Look at verse 7. He says, but if we walk in the light. So that's an encouragement to walk in the light. He gives us the condition by which we can have fellowship with God and it's walking in the light. He says, but if we walk in the light, watch this, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Two things will happen when we walk in the light. 
The first thing is we'll have fellowship with God. If we walk in the light, watch this, as he is in the light. So if I'm walking in the light as he is in the light, the byproduct of that will be I'm going to have fellowship with God. As I walk in his light, I have fellowship with him. But notice the second thing that happens, we have fellowship with one another. Here's the exciting thing about this thing called Christianity. As I walk in the light and you walk in the light, we have fellowship with God. That's a good thing, right? But then we have fellowship with one another. And I often say this, if fellowship is ever broken, it's a result of someone not walking in the light. At our church, we have gone through a season of just marriages being under attack. I mean, just, it's been, and I've spent, I can't tell you how many hours doing marriage counseling. And I've gotten to the point where I've had to uh, seek other qualified biblical counselors to help and referring people to different places. But oftentimes as I'm doing marriage counseling, and I'll listen, maybe the, the, the male, he'll tell me what's going on, his perspective, and he'll go on for about 10 or 15 minutes. And I'll ask his wife, okay, you tell me from your perspective what, what, what's going on. And she'll tell me something, and it's totally different from what he just said, you know. And, and, and I'll listen for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then I say this, I know the problem. And here's the problem. You're not walking in the light. You're out of fellowship with God, and if you're out of fellowship with God, you will not have fellowship with one another. And I believe with all my heart, if, if, if a relation, particularly a Christian relationship, if it's broken, that means someone is not walking in the light. Because John is clear, walk in the light. And if you do that, you're going to have fellowship with God, but then you're going to have fellowship with one another. The barrier to fellowship is walking in darkness therefore walk in the light here's the second barrier walking in not only darkness but denial walking in denial notice verse 8 again through verse 10 there were some people that were claiming to not have sin they were claiming to be without sin and, and uh, we see it again in verse 10 they were claiming to be without sin and so you have people walking around going, I got this sin down. I got this sin thing down. I don't sin and I don't struggle with sin. And, and, and maybe some of them were even denying the fact that they were sinners. And I think that's something that I see in this day and age as well in our culture where there's certainly a, a, we, we minimize this thing called sin. We don't talk about sin anymore. And sin's kind of a bad word in, in, our, in, in our preaching. I went and preached some, somewhere one time, and I always like to get feedback, and I appreciate feedback because I'm growing as a Bible teacher and a preacher, and I'm certainly uh, not perfect. And uh, well, I got this one piece of feedback I got that I'll take any day of the week. Uh, the guy told me, well, you know, you talked about sin too much. You just talked about sin too much. I'm like, Wow. That's what the Bible talks about. And in fact, the last time I preached at our church, one of the young men that I mentor came up to me, and he had counted the times that John mentioned sin uh, in these uh, 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 five to seven verses. 
And the Bible is clear about sin, but we live in a culture that doesn't want to hear about sin. And in fact, we live in a culture that, that in, in many ways just denies the reality that man's nature is sinful. I was listening to Russell Moore. I don't know if you know who Russell Moore is. He used to be a, pre, he used to be a, um, a professor at Southern Seminary, but he's the president of the ERLC. The ERLC is a Christian think tank, an arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, and they take the Bible and apply it to po policy issues and things of that nature. Um, and he does a really good job. He was at a church, and uh, he uh, was talking about the doctrine of man and the fact that the Bible teaches us that man is sinful. And uh, he did Romans 3. He did other passages as well. And, and one lady uh, raised her hand to, to make a comment. And in her comment, she was objecting to what he had said about man is sinful. And she said, my daughter, and her daughter was like 10 years old, and she was sweet and cute. And she said, my daughter is just, just sweet, and, 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 and she, she has never sinned. And this woman violently objected to what the Bible clearly teaches uh, uh, throughout its pages. My daughter has, has never sinned. She is sweet. She's never done anything wrong. She has never sinned. And then she said this, and I quote, and I don't think she ever will sin. It's like, what Bible was she reading? But we live in that kind of culture where people minimize, if not flat out, deny sin. And notice what John says. If we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. The NIV says we're deceiving ourselves. We're just lying to ourselves. And then not only that, verse 10 says, we're calling God a liar. That's a strong statement, verse 10. So John is saying this. If we walk in uh, um, denial and say we haven't sinned, we're lying to ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. But then we're looking at God and saying, God, you're lying. Because your word says I am a sinner, but I say I'm not. And you know what? I'm right, God. You're wrong. You're not telling the truth. You're telling a story. That's what verse 10 literally says. And these people in John's day were, were denying sin. But notice what we're to do. Instead of denying sin, we're to confess sin. Look at 1 John 1 verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful. He's just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. This is one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. So instead of Denying that you're a sinner, when you sin, John says, get it right. Get it right. And this is how you get it right. You confess your sins. Now, the word confession here, the Greek word literally means this. And you may know this. It means to say the same thing. To say the same thing. In other words, I say the same thing that God says about my sin. That is sin. And until you and I get to that point where we say we agree with God, we say the same thing that God says about our sin, we'll never truly confess our sins. So many people, again, kind of minimize sin. And even when they confess their sin, I'm not sure if it's a confession because they'll say things like, well, you know, I just kind of made a mistake. I, I kind of got a weakness there. You know, I'm just weak there. Or oh, I just slipped. 
or that just came out. Yeah, it may be a mistake, but that mistake was sin. Yeah, it may be a weakness. It's pornography or lust. Yeah, it's a weakness. I get that, but it's, the Bible calls it sin. Yeah, maybe it just came out, but, but you know what? The root of it is, is pride and your anger, and yeah, it just came out in that moment, but, but it was in your heart, and, and, and the root of it is pride because you, you want to always be right, and so you will argue and fuss and, 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 and argue people down, and it just comes out, and you injure people, and yeah, it just came out, but the root of that is a problem called sin, and it's pride in your heart. And we say what God says about it. We don't minimize it. We don't try to pretty it up or make it less. We say, God, I've sinned. I agree with you. I agree with your word. I have sinned. And so many people, when it comes to confessing sin, are far from that. What if someone did this? Let's say you're in a relationship with someone and something happened in the relationship to where the other person offended you sinned against you and let's say they verbally assaulted you I mean they just lit into you I mean they did it in front of people they embarrassed you I mean they their words were sharp and hurtful and just tore into you and let's say after that incident happened that person came to you and they said hey look I just want to talk to you about what happened you know, uh, an hour ago. Let's say it was an hour's gone by. Look, man, it's been a rough week. Man, I've had a lot of pressure. Man, my wife at home, you know, there's things going on in my home. And uh, my kids, you know, and, and I got to work today and I had all this stuff on my desk. And man, it, that just came out, you know. I just, so I hope you're okay. How many of y'all would feel that person came clean? I mean, none of us would feel like, that person came clean, admitted what they did, and agreed that, that what they did injured me and hurt me. None of us would say that person in that scenario truly confessed. And so often that's what we, we do with our sins in God. We, we kind of pretty it up. We kind of skirt around the issue. We, we, we make it seem a little bit less than it really is. But what if that person came to you in that same scenario and they said, Hey, look, I want to talk to you about what happened about an hour ago. Look, I'm sorry. I'm a jerk. I know it. I, you didn't deserve that. I said uh, 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 some things that, that, that hurt you, offended you. I embarrassed you in front of everybody, and I am sorry. I have no excuse. Would you forgive me? I think all of us would say confession. That's a true confession. And when we confess our sins, we come clean. We agree with God. God, I've sinned. And maybe today, as a believer, there's some things in your life that maybe you have been prettying it up, if that's even a word, prettying it up, making it seem less than it is. And God said, no, you gotta, if you're going to confess, you've got to agree with me. You've got to say the same thing. That is sinful. That is sin. And notice what happens. John says if you confess your sins, if we confess our sins, look at what God does. Faithful. <laughs> Faithful. Have you ever confessed sin and wondered whether or not God would forgive you? 
We probably have all done that before. And John lets us know in verse 9, faithful. So what can you expect from God if you confess your sin to him? Expect his faithfulness. He is faithful and just. And look at what he says. And will forgive us our sins. He will pardon us. He'll forgive us. He'll wipe the slate clean. And then it says he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love the word all there because sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, I go, man, I really blew up at my wife or I I was too strong with my kids or I thought something I shouldn't have thought and, uh, you know, I said something I I shouldn't have said. And I wonder, even though I confess it, I I wonder if I'm really purified from all things, you know. And sometimes I can classify sin and think, ooh, that was really bad, you know, and ooh, I really messed up there. And I wonder, has God cleansed me of that and forgive me of that? But I love this word all here. Would you, would you join me after me counting to three and just shout out the word all uh, together? One, two, three, together, all. He, 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 he forgives us and he purifies us from all unrighteousness. That's good news, you all. There's no sin in your life or my life that God's forgiveness can't touch and forgive and cleanse. And John says, barriers to fellowship, walking in darkness. So don't walk in darkness, walk in the light. As you walk in the light, you'll have fellowship with him and with one another. And then walking in denial. Instead of walking in denial, when there's sin in your life, come clean. Lord, I agree with you. I'm saying the same thing that you say about this is sin. Forgive me. And then he cleanses us and he forgives us of all unrighteousness. Now, notice the basis of our fellowship, our last point. Y'all still with me? Is everybody good? One more point. Listen, look at the basis of our fellowship. We see the barriers, two of them, walking in darkness, walking in denial. John tells us what we should do instead of doing those two things. Now he gives us the basis of fellowship. What makes fellowship possible? Who has brokered this deal called fellowship between us and God? Well, it's not us, but it's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who is the basis of our fellowship. And notice the first thing that Jesus does. Jesus is our advocate. Notice verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, my, my, my dear children or my little children, I write these things to you so that you will not sin. Now that's the goal. That ought to be the desire of our heart, that we live our lives in a manner that will glorify God, that will be honoring and pleasing to him, that we're not walking in darkness, but we're walking in the light. We're not walking in sin, but we're walking in in righteousness. That's the goal. Is that the desire of your heart? Do you wake up in the morning after you read your Bibles and have your quiet time and you, 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 you take off to begin your day? Is it the desire of your heart? Lord, I'm going to glorify you today. Help me to glorify you today. Give me the power and the strength to glorify you today. That's the goal, that, that, that we may not sin so that you do not sin. But then John gives us this clause because the reality is we will still sin. Now, let me pause here just for a minute and say this. This is not one of those verses that, that you, can, you should use. Okay, well, see it right there. But if anyone does sin, so God knows I'm going to sin, so I can just go ahead and sin. And then after I sin, I'll ask for forgiveness. No, that's not what the verse is saying. The goal is not to sin. 
It's not the sin. Honor God. Be obedient to God. Glorify him. Walk, walk in purity and holiness. But here's the encouragement. If you fail and when you fail, you have an advocate. You have an advocate. One who, who speaks to the Father in our defense. The picture is one of a, who's an attorney. And Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. Jesus ascended back to his glory to be with his father. And, and it said that when he, when he got there, he sat down at the right hand of the father. Romans 8 tells us he lives to intercede for us. So Christ is at the right hand of the father, and he's our, our interceder, our advocate. And can you see him there? Right hand of the Father, be with Southbridge Fellowship, God. Help them to walk, not in darkness, but help them to walk in light. Help them not to walk denying their sin, but when they sin, Lord, help them to confess their sin. And then, Lord, help them to live for you, God, and, and to glorify you, God. Help them not to sin. And then when we sin and when we, when we don't quite get it right, because, listen, we, we still live in the world, we still have an enemy called Satan, the devil, and then we still got to battle this flesh, which is a real thing. My biggest battle is not against the world. My biggest battle personally is not even against Satan. My biggest battle is against me. And if we should fail, our advocate says forgive him. Forgive him. Forgive him. Forgive him. We have an advocate with the Father. Isn't that good news? And he's the basis of our fellowship. But notice not only do we have an advocate, Christ is our advocate, but Christ is our second atonement. He's our advocate, but he is our atonement. Notice verse 2. It says that he himself, Jesus himself, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for our sins but for the sins of the entire world he is our atonement and this word atonement is a pretty incredible word it, it really suggests this that Jesus has taken the punishment and the judgment that we deserve that the wrath of God that we deserve his judgment was poured out not on us but on Christ on our behalf, and his atonement satisfies God's standard. It satisfies his wrath. God is pleased with the atonement of Christ, and the atonement of Christ is sufficient to take care of our sins. He's our advocate, you all, and he is our atonement. One of the things that helps me understand this I sort of um, I sort of have a problem with speeding. Does anybody else have that problem, by the way? I see a few hands. Thank you for being transparent and honest here. Yeah, I, God really convicted me about this speeding thing. I mean, I was probably, I don't know, averaging at least a ticket every year and a half, probably. And some years I might get two. It's because I was always in a hurry to get somewhere. And I remember I went to speak at Camp Oak Hill. 
I was up there. It was a weekend retreat. I wasn't going to stay because I only live an hour from the camp, and I'll just commute. I'm not going to stay up here. I'll go home and sleep in my own bed, just drive back tomorrow. And so I spoke that night. I was in a hurry to get home, wanting to see my beautiful wife and my kids before they fell asleep because they were smaller then. And let me tell you, I, 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 I floored it. I mean, I was moving out. And so I came through Oxford, went through Creedmoor, came down Highway 50, and then where 98 crosses 50, I, took, I, took, I got off that, that, that exit and got on 98 and cut through Wake Forest to get to Nightdale. Because I lived on the back side of Nightdale was, that was kind of closer to the Wake Forest side. And so... That's what I did. And so as I come down 98, in my opinion, though, if you've ever been on 98, 98 is 55 miles an hour. It ought to be about 70 miles an hour. That's just my opinion. But I was moving out, you know, and it's 55, and I am flooring it. And, and 98 is just like straight. There's a few hills, but it's pretty much straight. There's not a lot of curves. I mean, it's just straight. And so I am flooring it, y'all. And I'm, 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 I'm doing about 80, close to 80. I am moving out. I'm passing people, you know. There wasn't that many on the road, but there were a few that were. I just whipped on around them. And, and I'm driving, and I see this car coming in my direction. And I kind of look at it. It's like, it look, it's, it's dark, too. It looks like it might be a police officer because I see these two things on the top, and I can't tell if they're sirens or not. And, 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 uh, and, but I'm thinking it might be a police officer. And I got right up on him, and I realized it was a police officer. And he hit his brakes, he turned on his blue lights, he made a U-turn, and he was right on me. I thought, man, gosh, I knew the Holy Spirit was telling me that was a police officer. I should have listened. Man, you need to learn to listen to God. And so I'm like, it's, it's no need now. He's got me. He's clocked me in. And so I go on and pull over. I stop the car, and he's pulling in behind me. I open my glove compartment and get my registration out, get my wallet and get my license out. And, uh, and, and then I uh, turn on the light inside the car uh, just so he could see uh, uh, me and, and, and what I was doing. And I put, I, I, you know, rolled out my window and I'd waited for him holding my steering wheel. And he came up and, uh, and uh, he, he, he uh, asked me where I was going. I was moving pretty fast and I said, sir, I just, I just spoke to these kids at Camp Oak Hill, and uh, I'm a pastor, and, and 8,000 kids got saved, you know, and I'm, I'm pouring it on, you know, and it was great, and, and I got this beautiful wife and, and, and these two wonderful, beautiful daughters, and I'm just trying to get home, and it didn't work, by the way, y'all. It did not work. I'm thinking maybe he's a Christian cop, you know, and I'll, nah. And so I gave him my... License and registration. He said, I'll be right back. If they ever say that, you got a ticket. Because that means he's going to go back there and write a ticket. He'll be right back to give it to you, you know. So he came back at about, after about three minutes and, and told me that I was doing close to 80. And I, and I just, I said, I know I was. And, you know, I, I was just trying to get home. And I, you're right. You're, you're exactly right. He said, I tell you what, I'm going to write it for, I've written it for 70. Instead of 80, I've written it for 70. And uh, you're going to still have to go to court. I said, I understand. Thank you, sir. He wished me a good night. I wished him a good night. Because I've had several tickets, I'm thinking, gosh, i got to do something about this. My insurance is going to be sky high. So I called a friend of mine named Stacy Miller. Stacy's an attorney, and uh, he did some criminal law um, and 
personal injury is kind of his main thing now. He's just made tons of money suing people. That's what he does for a living, you know. And, uh, but I said, Stacy, man, I told him what happened. What I just told you, I said, can you handle it for me? He said, hey, send me the ticket. I got it. Just send it to you. Yeah, fax it over to me. I got it. I sent it to him. And as a month later, I was supposed to have this court date. I didn't hear from Stacy. I'm like, okay, well, my court date was the day. I didn't have to go. He said, I got it. I'm going for you. I'll take care of it. I called him and said, hey, man, what happened today? I didn't hear from him. He said, we had to get it postponed. I said, postponed? Why is that? He said, well, I'm trying to get a judge that I'm familiar with and that I know and who knows me. I got it. Don't worry about it. The second month came by, court date. Again, didn't hear from Stacy. I called him, Stacy, what's going on? I hadn't heard from him. Hey, I got it. I got it. I postponed it. We're trying to get a judge that I know and knows me and, and that kind of thing. I said, all right. He said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Third month came, and he, he got it taken care of. I said, I didn't hear from you. What happened? He said, well, we got it dismissed. We got it dismissed. How would you do that? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We, we got it dismissed. I said, well, was there a, was there a court, court cost or something? He goes, yeah, but don't worry about it. We got it taken care of. I said, well, wait, wait, Tom, how did you take care of it? He said, I covered it. I paid for it. I paid for it. I got it. Don't worry about it. And here's what I want to say as I close. We're all guilty of sin. And here's the good news. We have an advocate. The King James says he's with the Father. In other words, he knows the judge. He's with the Father. And not only is he our advocate, he's our atoning sacrifice. I asked Stacy, I said, Stacy, so, 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 so what, did you do? What, what did you do? He went on to explain to me, he didn't, he didn't necessarily, he didn't go on there and say I was innocent and I wasn't guilty. But he asked the judge to dismiss the charges, and he was going to pay whatever court costs it was, and that's what he did. And that's what Christ does for us. Christ doesn't step into the courtroom of God and say we're innocent because that would be a lie. We're guilty of sin. But he's with the Father. He knows the judge. And, and, and he asked the judge, his father, to look at him and his atonement, his, his sacrifice for us on the cross. In other words, Jesus says, I'm going to pay the fine. And he doesn't reach in his pocket and pull out a wad of cash like Stacy Miller did for me on that day in court. But he lays his life on the cross for us. And as he lays his life on the cross, the payment for our sin is being made on our behalf. Not only our behalf, but the entire sins of the world. Isn't that good news? And because of Christ and his word, you and I can have fellowship with God. We can have fellowship with God. The barriers, are you walking in darkness? If you are today, I encourage you to walk in light. That you might have fellowship with God and his people. Are you denying that you have sin? Oh, I pray that the Holy Spirit would move in such a way that you and I would come clean and say, God, my pride my immorality, my gossip, my judgment, my envy, my jealousy, my self-righteousness, whatever it might be. And we come before God and we say, God, I agree. I have sinned. I confess this sin to you. I say what you say about my sin. Will you forgive me? And he says, yes, I'm faithful and I'm just. I'm not only going to forgive you, I'm going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Maybe today, there's someone here, you never, ever trusted Christ at all. You never, ever come to know him as your Savior. We always say a couple things in our church. As you hear the gospel, 
you should respond if you want to know this God who's light and in him there's no darkness. You respond in two ways. You repent. That means you turn from your sin. You're going in the wrong direction. You stop and you change directions. You do a 180. And then you not only turn repentance, but you trust Jesus and what he did for you on the cross. If you do that, well, I believe based on what God's word, he'll save you. So let me pray for us, and then we'll close. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are the God who is light, and in you there is no darkness, not even to the slightest. There is darkness, none, not. And, Lord, that challenges us that we don't minimize your holiness, that we don't make it less than what it is. You are holy. You're perfect. And, God, we want to have fellowship with you. So would you give us the power and the strength to walk in light and not in darkness? Lord, I pray that you would set someone free this morning from, from their darkness of sin. And bring them to faith and repentance today. And Lord, would you help us not to walk in denial, Lord? We want to confess our sins. We want to have short accounts with you. We want to confess our sin. Because as we do, you're faithful, you're just. You forgive us, you cleanse us, thank you. And God, we don't take any credit today for intimacy with you. But Christ is the basis. Christ is the one who's brokered the deal. He's our advocate and he's our atonement. So, Jesus, we give you glory and honor. And it's in Christ and Christ alone that we pray. Amen.